Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, the MFCEO.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to MedterraCBD.com right now and enter discount code BigMXRadio15 to save 15% on every single time you go to MedterraCBD.com and get that much-needed CBD supplements, whether it be the uh, melatonin, the good morning pills, or just uh, the CBD drops, uh, can completely change uh, your day. So go check out MedterraCBD.com and save 15% every time you lock in discount code BigMXRadio15. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, and uh, with us in studio, we don't have too many in-studio guests on the podcast, but uh, um, and it's been a t- quite some time since we had her on the podcast. She's uh, my lovely girlfriend, Megan. Ha- Megan, how's it going? Good. How are you? Hey, not doing too bad. Uh, just uh, waiting to uh, call up uh, the young Dylan Wright to uh, talk a little bit of Canadian motocross, a little Canadian content for us here on the Big MX Radio podcast. Uh, and uh, you're returning for your sec- first episode, your second episode. Uh, for those who remember, we had you on the when, when we had Jay Hartenbatch from Medterra CBD uh, on the podcast. Sort of gives us some ins and outs of, uh, of how CBD works and all that fun stuff. But uh, uh, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Glad to have you on the podcast. Glad to uh, uh, bring you in through this sort of this world that I, uh, I talk about all the time. I'm, I'm sure I, I drive you nuts with uh, how many videos and posts and pictures and this, that, and everything that you have to uh, enjoy a lot right alongside me. Uh, but since we, uh, we last had you on the podcast, you've also been out to a motocross track, which uh, I'm curious to sort of get your thoughts on what was your experience of rolling up to the track for the first time, seeing the bikes fly through the air, and uh, eventually seeing myself do the same thing? Um, at first, I was super nervous. Um, I know that crashes can be bad when they happen, um, so I was just pretty much spending the whole time hoping that you weren't going to go the same way. Right. Um, Keeping in mind that the first time I had ridden this year, you were not with me, and I came and, home with a dislocated shoulder. Yeah, yeah, which was not fun to watch from a distance. Mm-hmm. Um but no, I was along along the sidelines. I was watching you and cheering you on and having fun and enjoying the the view. And I was right in front of a jump, so it was really nice and cool. I got to actually take some video of you and take some good mm-hmm. pictures. And uh, yeah, I really in, quite enjoyed it. It was not as loud as I actually anticipated, but it was fun. Well, right on, and uh, I'm glad to have you out. Obviously, uh, lo- love uh, having you there supporting me at the racetrack I all too often go to the track by myself so uh, good to have someone along with me who uh, is who enjoys it uh, aside from sort of the nervous feeling and whatnot uh, just like the the sights the sounds what were your some of your takeaways from uh, your first visit to uh, that track was called Grunthal uh, Grunthal Raceway I like Grunthal it's nice mm. um it has uh, just the whole environment and the everyone's everyone knows everyone. It's like a campy kind of feel. Everyone's like parked, doing their thing, having their lunches, uh, getting ready for their their turn, their class, or whatever that it's called, their section. And uh, I, I I really enjoyed it. I like the environment. It's really cool. Fair enough. Well, <clears throat> since you're still rather new to motocross, uh, you're actually probably more uh, adept to supercross than you are to motocross. Seeing as how uh, I've only been dating uh, nine months now, but uh, I understand that you've got some questions that uh, I might be able to clear up for you uh, here on the podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, sort of roll through those uh, before we get to an interview with Dylan Wright. Okay, my first couple of questions are mostly for like um, the bike itself. Okay. Um, I'm not totally sure of the difference between a 250 and a 450. I know that they race separately in Supercross. That's all I know. Fair enough. Well, the the number uh, that the the class is uh, the, the, it's basically engine displacement. Uh, the the um, 250 and 450 uh, is the number represented by the uh, how many uh, cubic centimeters the cylinder um, that's the size of the cylinder. So obviously uh, a 450 is going to put out a little bit more horsepower. It's going to have more torque, and um, the the 
the distance between those two engine sizes is so severe um, that it's uh, a huge advantage to be racing a 450 against a 250. Uh, on equal footing as far as the riders are concerned, there's certainly some 250 guys uh, that can go faster than 450 guys, and there's certainly uh, even some guys on 125s or even some local kids on 85s that can uh, can go quicker um, than, than guys that ride uh, big 450s. But uh, basically, engine displacement goes uh, it kind of the 250s and 450s, that separation is is kind of goes all the way back to the 125 two strokes and the uh, 250 two strokes, and uh, so the 450 eliminated or, or basically uh, uh, went in place of the 252 strokes. Eventually, uh, was like kind of too much bike for even those bikes to to contend with. Uh, so the 252 stroke went uh, by the way to the Dodo Bird for the most part, except for a few uh, manufacturers that still make them. Uh, and you can race them. You're not as successful with it. And then the, the 250F uh, is uh, the bike that took over for the 125 two-stroke, uh, which uh, are still lots of fun to ride. You still see a lot of guys are out there riding them, but uh, they're they're not usually as competitive uh, as their four-stroke counterparts. So now we have the 450 class and the 250 class. And um, the, the 450 class, for the most part, everywhere is considered the premier class like that's where you graduate to a lot of times uh, a lot of governing bodies will have rules that say once you've gotten to the 450 class you can't go back uh so uh the 250 class is in supercross it's it's known as more of like an introductory class or say a stepping stone class to get to the 450 um and that's certainly represented by uh like the the number of like high profile riders and also how much those guys are making at the top top end of the sport Okay, um, that leads me to my second question. Um, you were saying 252 stroke. Yeah. Um, what which is, is what the... I ride. Okay, what does the two stroke mean? Two stroke is uh, basically the, the two stroke and four stroke is uh, determined by uh, how many power strokes um, for the engines, or like how many times the piston goes up and down before the piston go- or the, the spark plug goes off to fire the, the cylinder. Um, so a four stroke, every time the uh, so each stroke down and up are counted as a stroke. So with a two stroke, there's a down stroke, an up stroke, and the uh, fire spark plug goes off again. So that's one, two, bang, one, two, bang. Whereas a four stroke goes down to the bottom, comes back up, down to the bottom again for the third, and then the fourth stroke all the way to the top, and then the, the, the spark plug goes off. So that's two stroke and four stroke the engines uh are uh, because of a four stroke requires uh valves for the, the proper timing for those oil and or the the air and fuel mixtures to come together to get the the right uh sort of recipe for uh the internal combustion engine but basically um a, a two stroke is similar to what you would find in uh like you say like a weed eater or like something the very like high strung engines uh or like a um a snowmobile, a lot of snowmobiles. There are some four-stroke snowmobiles nowadays, but uh, for the most part, there's still two strokes. Um, and then, like a four-stroke engine, is what you have in your car, which has like cams and all that fun stuff. And uh, they, it makes more torque. It makes a more uh, smooth power. Like so, there's there's still power on the bottom and there's power on the top. Whereas a two-stroke, in the revs, like when you hear a bike, like when you hear my bike, it's basically always kind of like making a high-pitched sound. That's where all the power is at the bottom of the power band or the power of the bottom of the revs. Uh, there's no power down there, so like you come out of a corner in the wrong gear and the bike goes. Burr. There's no no power there. Where when uh, the, the the bike's making the high strung noises that I like to make on a regular basis, then uh, the bike's <laughs> making some some uh, some good power. And, and you do you do like my uh, my rendition of how a two stroke <laughs> uh, goes around the track. I do. Um... My next question is kind of like a, a personal question for you. Um, I just kind of wanted to know how why you love motocross so much. Like, what made you really get into it? Well, motocross to me uh, has always... I was a reluctant motocross racer to begin with um, because I, bas- I, I, was, I was very timid. I was... Uh, um, I was I was very cautious as a young guy. Like I, I didn't want to hit the ground, and because I didn't have a uh, deep skill set to start things off, I did. I hit the ground quite often, so that was sort of I dipped my toes in that way. But um, what I've always loved about racing is uh, obviously the sights and the sounds, and just how like the 
the sound of a bike going through a corner and like the way the the bike tur- like twists through the air when you know what you're doing and some of the like the way the pros make it look so easy um and uh just like the the feeling that you when you get when you ride it's just it's so undescribable i think it's it's hard for people who do it to describe it to people who don't just because it's not really it's it's you, you got to feel it uh and i think that's really one of the cool things about motocross is that you you do it and you love it and everyone does it at their own level but to them that's their like highest level like um it's not like that like we both play hockey like when you're when you're struggling on the ice and you can't do certain things and you can't like you can't just get around on on skates and stuff like that like you know it you feel it and you you don't, that's not like the the game isn't like flying by you you don't feel like you're Connor McDavid or something like that but i find with motocross like when i'm putting in my fastest lap when i'm pushing and i'm going like as fast as i can go even though that might be 10 15 seconds a lap slower than Eli Tomac like to me, like that, it's that intense. You know what I mean? Like, there's that like uh, kind of exhilaration that's still there, regardless of what level you're racing at. Uh, and finally, uh, the inclusiveness of motocross. Um, unlike yourself, I got cut from a lot of hockey teams uh, that I played for growing up. Uh, I was not the captain of my high school team, even though you were. Um, and uh, yeah, hockey for me, although I, I'm, I'm damn good at it now. Got a hat trick last night in in, uh, in beer league. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, no, it's, it's always been something that, uh, I like rode the pine a lot. I got cut from a lot of teams. Um, and I found a lot of teasing and bullying in hockey, to be honest. I don't want to get too much into that, but, um, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the thing I loved about motocross is that when you show up, you put your helmet on, you pay your money and you get your laps. You, the, the gate drops for absolutely everybody and there's a, and if regardless of your if you're fast if you're the fastest guy at the track or the slowest guy at the track there's a class for you and they're not going to turn you away and you're not going to have to uh, like uh, sacrifice playing time because of it and I thought that's always been a really cool thing is that uh, it's it's the ultimate inclusiveness um, so if you're just learning it's your first day or first few first year on the bike and you're you're barely getting around the track head out there and enjoy yourself and if you're uh, you're going as fast as uh, the, the Dylan Wrights of the world or uh, some some local fast guys, um, yeah, then you can uh, you can enjoy it at that level too. Uh, that, that, but that's one of the things I loved about um, motocross is that it's, it's totally inclusive because I, I played high school football as well. I was like uh, lucky enough to be the high school quarterback, uh, no big deal, and uh, never missed a down. In fact, I've also played uh, linebacker on the defensive side of the ball, so I played both ways. Whereas there's a lot of kids that would show up to practice every day. And when it came to game time, like there's no way they were ever seeing the field because they they carry a, a 60 man roster for high school football and there's nowhere near 60 starting spots. So that's uh, not to say like team sports is a, a negative thing. I definitely I learned a lot from from team sports. I love team sports. I still play team sports. Um, but one thing that I have always loved about motocross is that uh, if you want to play, uh, you can play if you can pay, if you can pay for it. Yeah, I agree completely. Um. Okay, I have one more question. Okay. Uh, right now, there's the uh, the outdoor races. Yeah. Um, Canadian nationals and the American nationals. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was just wondering. Um, I know that they're in like Supercross and stuff like that. It's different, but um, for the two races, how come there's two races rather than just the one? Well, the two race format in motocross, which th- there's uh, there's 25 points scored for for the winning both of those motos and then they're back it goes from 25 to 20 22 and then from 22 back to 20 20 points and then on back i think it's another 18 and then after at, at some point maybe it's after the fifth spot it just keeps going down by one point all the way back to 20th um they do that um basically that format is really old and they've always done it ever since the years of uh, uh roger de coster and back in the 60s and 70s uh, and the reason why they did it is because um, I was back in the Grand Prix days with the in Europe. Uh, the bikes were so unreliable that a lot of times um, fans would come to watch their favorite racers, and the bikes would they wouldn't make the motos. Uh, they wouldn't get it to the end of the moto, so the the fans would pay their good money and not be able to see their favorite racer do what they do. Um, so they started to implement a, a two moto format. 
uh, so that uh, if there, if say Roger DeCoster, uh, his bike had uh, had broke down, you'd still get to see him in the second moto, and it wouldn't be as detrimental for your day. You'd still be able to make up some points. Um, so uh, that's basically the two reasons: is that it's not a total loss if you happen to have one bad moto, and that's why we have uh, now it's like a like two moto format. The really cool thing about uh, the the two moto format is that uh, it's it's about consistency. Like this last weekend in um, in in Prince George, uh, BC, uh, Marshall Welton won the 250 uh, overall with a 2-2 finish. So he scores 44 points on the day. Dylan Wright gets a fourth, which is 18 points, and uh, a first, which uh, adds up to I think 30. What is that? No. 38. What is that? What are we doing? 25 plus... 25, 25 18? and 18. Let's see. 40... A handy calculator. <laughs> 42. Oh, wait. Hold on. This is great radio. Yeah. <laughs> 43. 43. Wow. Okay. Well, Dylan missed it by one point. Oof. Uh, that was great radio, but either way, uh, I'm sure there's more than a few people that are just like, these idiots. Uh, but that's fine. Um, 43 points, but because Marshall, he didn't win either of the motos... But because he was most consistent, got a nice two-two finish for first overall. In fact, that's the same thing that happened in the in the first moto, or the first race of the year in Calgary, where Dylan again went one. Uh, uh, I think he went one four uh, for second overall. So uh, we'll, we'll get him on the podcast right away. Here, Dylan needs to work on the consistency a little bit, and we'll, we'll get to maybe talk to him uh, about uh, about that. And uh, how he's going to maybe turn right the ship in uh, in Minnedosa, even though he's rolling in with the points lead. He even though he hasn't won either of the races, he's uh, still been most consistent as far as uh, being at the front of the pack. So uh, we're going to get to that. And Megan, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast yet yet again, and uh, maybe make this more regular thing as you start to uh, learn more and more about the sport. And uh, before I let you go, I know you've you've been through a whole round of Supercross. Now we're getting into some outdoor rounds. We'll get. We'll, I'm sure I'll bore you to death with some uh, 35 minute plus two uh, outdoor races that uh, you'll you'll have to uh, sit and watch that sounds sounds awesome right (laughs) but uh, have you have you picked a favorite rider yet is there a guy who sort of sticks off the page at you just yet uh, based on like if if he's a good looking guy or if he's just uh, I don't know know, how how does a young lady uh, pick her favorite racer is it just on uh, how who wins championships and stuff well, you're my favorite racer for sure. Oh, baby, <laughs> I I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, that'll 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 get you somewhere. I think. Yeah. Um, I uh, professionally, I don't really like I like I said last time. Wow, um, she's not into the pros, guys. No, I'm, I'm a bandwagon jumper when okay. it comes to Cooper uh, Webb. Then pretty much like when you're just watching a race and you're like whoever's mm. in the front you just want them to go yeah. or even like a kind of like the underdog person too mm-hmm. you kind of want to see them like completely lap someone or yeah, like yeah. beat them in the corner or something mm-hmm. like that like you just want to you see do that. like that you like I the, love those the I love the lcqs these lcqs where you see the guys uh we're still looking for uh uh what was it? joey crown we're still we're still on the lookout for joey crown wherever he may be but that was uh, the best LCQ. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, Shane, Lane Shaw gets run over, not three corners later. Yeah, but um, this has been awesome. I really love having you on the show. What's your last thing you wanted to? One more your, your thing. Little, your little finger up. One more thing I want to say. Mm. Get your pets some CBD oil from Medterra. You got to Medterra Pets is uh, is the the account to uh, follow. On uh, there's Medterra CBD, but also Medterra Pets. Uh, they've got the drops. I believe they're also working on some treats and stuff like that. Uh, get get. Your your pets, uh, some Medterra product, um, great with anxiety, great with just just uh, helping their demeanor as far as uh, calming them. If uh, if they're a little bit extra rambunctious, and I know Koopy uh, has been enjoying that as well as uh, yes. Kina. And I heard that if you use Big MX Radio 15, you can get a discount. Yeah, you can save 15% every time you uh, shameless <laughs> plugs here on the uh, Big MX Radio <laughs> podcast. Uh, yeah, you can save 15% whether you're getting uh, the Medterra Pets or you're getting the CBD oil for yourself. Hey, order, order it for the two of you, and you can, and everyone can enjoy the benefits. Uh, and with that, we'll send it to the uh, our commercial break and then our uh, interview with Dylan Wright. Thanks, Megan. Yes, you're welcome. Hey, Big MX listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. 
Check out these commercials, support our sponsors, and we'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. Hey, Big MX listeners, let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you got to check them out. They're motocross, dedicated, and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. they got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's going to make your garage smell better. It's going to make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're going to love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them, and you're going to love them. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality, purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1 and the full array of market-leading products, Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima racing oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming, and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateer's racing program throughout the day. I'm talking pre-race strategy, filming practice sessions, talking about the racetrack, meeting the riders, getting cool swag, getting to hang out with guys like Dave Drakes, getting to hang out with guys like me at the track. It's an awesome program, and the money goes right back to the privateers. You're actually supporting their racing program, and you get a really cool experience. Check it out, Google. The collective experience, first thing that pops up, you can check out their intern program. You can check out all that fun stuff. You guys need to get on this program. Check it out. You can like Collective EX, I believe, on Instagram. Uh, the Collective XP is their uh, website, I believe. Check them out. The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there. Great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience. A proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. What's up, Big MX Radio listeners? I can't thank you enough for listening to this episode of the Big MX Radio Podcast. It means so much to me that you guys would take time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Hopefully you're entertained. Hopefully you guys find some information that you didn't already get from another podcast. And uh, if you guys have any requests whatsoever on content you'd like to see on the Big MX Radio Podcast, please send me either a direct message on Instagram. If you're not already following, I hope you do. It's bradgebhart88 on Instagram. And you can also find me via email, bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. Hit me up in the DMs. And uh, thank you again for listening to these uh, really important commercials. Uh, we do our best to uh, plug our sponsors. And I hope that you guys 
support our sponsors like Medterra CBD, as well as uh, Maxima Racing Oils and uh, Fly Racing is coming on soon. And uh, really looking forward to that. So thanks again for listening to the Big MX Radio podcast. Garrett, Dale, all, all my good friends that are listening. I really appreciate you guys uh, making the time to listen to the podcast. And uh, thanks again. And uh, let's get back to the show. And we're back from commercial here on the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by MedTerraCBD.com. You can go to MedTerraCBD.com every single time you shop, and you can enter discount code BigMXRadio15 to save 15% off all of your orders. With us on the podcast, he is now a repeat offender on the podcast. Last time we talked to him, he is wrapping up an Arena Cross Championship. Now he has a massive points lead in the 250 class here in Canada. Uh, he is... It's Dylan, right? Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> What's going on, brother? It's it's that time, my friend, coming on the podcast. Two races into the uh, the Canadian Nationals Outdoor Motocross Series, and uh, yeah, things are starting to heat up. And you're, of course, you're heading to uh, to my uh, neck of the woods this coming weekend. If you don't already have your tickets to Minnedosa. Um, you guys got it. You, everyone's got to head out to Minnedosa this, this coming weekend. I know Dylan will be there. I know I'll be there. Uh, but before we talk about uh, Minnedosa, let's talk about the first two rounds. Dylan, what's like? How's your championship been so far? Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me back on the show. It's always it's always a pleasure getting on, talking to you, talking to the moto, let's and, do it. Uh, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, uh, good to be back. And uh, yeah, like you say, uh, Minnedosa this weekend uh, should be good. Your hometown, so it'll be good to uh, good to. Kind of talk to you face to face, and uh, yes, maybe uh, maybe get some some interviews in the day or something. Get some gold, uh, absolutely uh, during the day. So that should be good. But uh, like you said, I mean, uh, we're two races into the championship, and I mean, like you said, you you said we're a third of the way through. I never even really thought of it like that because it's so short. I was I almost think of it as like we're only two races in, like it's just started. But yeah, I mean, I guess we're a third of the way through. It's kind of kind of crazy to think that but uh but yeah i mean we're two races in and i mean i'm pretty stoked to uh to have the red plate going into uh minnedosa this weekend especially after a couple interesting weekends two really good motos and two interesting motos so uh yeah yeah, the only guy who's collected uh, two moto wins out of the four, um, and the the two motos that you won, uh, spectacular fashion, complete checkout shows. See you boys later. Um, and then the other two motos, when you go back to Calgary, uh, second moto, sight lap, things are a little bit muddier than expected. Uh, you end up hitting the deck um, in the first uh, after the first corner, and then you just go. Then uh, it's just balls to the wall. I got to get to the front, and then uh, actually, you you tell the story better than I do. So uh, take us through that second moto for us. Yeah, like you said, first moto was, I mean, uh, pretty much exactly how you want to envision a moto going. I mean, get off to a decent start. I mean, obviously, that, I wouldn't like to get the whole shot, but I mean, off to a decent start and uh, kind of make my way past a few of the key guys um, in our series that um, I mean, going in, you like I thought we're going to be like some serious contenders, right? So um, obviously kind of getting by those guys, I mean, it kind of gives you a little bit of confidence as well, um, just flipping your way through. And then, uh, then, yeah, like you said, I kind of was able to spend a little bit of time on some of the guys and uh, kind of just be able to ride my own race out front. Um, and, I mean, obviously, it's a kind of a picture-perfect motor. And then you head into the second motor, and like you say, go for the hot lap, they watered it, and uh, you're kind of going, oh, God, you never really know what to expect when you're pushing on that stuff. So, Anyways, get back to the start gate, uh, kind of brush things off, and uh, I guess I get off to it. I think it's our second medal. Uh, I kind of battling for the whole shot there with Jeff and Tanner, so I was kind of pushing the envelope a little bit. And uh, kind of came out of the first turn, it swept a little left. Uh, like I said, put a little bit too much water down. Ended up uh, kind of on the harder stuff to the on the inside, and uh, just kind of both wheels just like took out from underneath me, slid around backwards, went down. And uh, I mean, it's never, it's never a good position to be in when you're leading the pack through those that first turn and you end up going down. So luckily, luckily I kind of stayed clear of everybody and uh, was able to kind of get back up and going. And then, uh, but obviously now I'm dead last. I'm not going. So 
uh, kind of went into panic mode a little bit when I shouldn't have, and uh, kind of just put my head down, as you say, kind of just pushed as hard as you can, and that's uh, what I did, and I think I passed quite a few guys on the first three quarters of a lap, and then ended up clipping a guy down in the valley, uh, kind of just a racing incident, really, I uh, just kind of switched lines, they were two or three guys kind of in the pack there, I mean, it's first lap, it's a little hectic, guys going everywhere, so kind of just put myself in a bad position there, ended up uh, flipping a rider, going down again on the first lap, and came back to the last once again, and then picked myself up, and uh, I guess, like I said, just put your head down, and that's kind of always thing was get to the front as quick as possible, I got to salvage as many points as I can this moto, and that's uh, kind of what I did, I worked my way up to the lead pack, I think there was uh, four guys out front that were like one right behind another, and I saw all the way back up to that lead pack right behind uh, Tyler Medallia actually, and uh, I kind of had a little battle with him for maybe half a lap to a lap or something, and a lap or kind of got in between us and clipped my front wheel. I ended up going off the track, um, almost hit my boss, team manager Derek, standing on the side of the track, kind of. A little squirrely, and then got back on the racetrack and kept going, got back up to those guys. Uh, and then with about three laps to go, as I was trying to make some moves to uh, to put myself in a position to get the overall, I ended up hitting like this, these pebbles coming out of a turn under the tunnel. And uh, then Eric Crosser off the face of a jump, went off the side. I, I well, accidentally hit the flagger that was there, so I ended up going down pretty hard, and then cycling star, picked myself up, that's what fell off, get going again, and uh, just put a charge on, I think I passed a couple guys in those two laps to get six, so I mean, it was a very eventful race for me, one that I would definitely would like to have back, but uh, I mean, such as racing, I mean, you've got to live and learn from the mistakes that we make sometimes, and uh, just keep moving forward. No doubt, like a, 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 a moto where literally the story to tell it might take as long as it, the the moto. Like, like, like you, you talk about that moto as if it was like forty five minutes long. Like, how could that many things happen to a guy uh, in, in in a twenty minute plus uh, plus two board? Um, pretty wild to see, uh, and you salvage that for a third overall. Like. All things considered, you, you got to be uh, thinking to yourself like uh, you, you came out pretty good, uh, get, given how stiff the the competition is in the the 250 class this year, including uh, Tyler Medaglia, a guy who you probably looked up to and probably ha- may have had a, a signed poster or five uh, growing up. Um, it's, it's pretty pretty crazy for the the first round of the year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely. Um, obviously getting on the podium, I mean, that's always a bonus. Um, but I mean, hindsight, I definitely thought that that was my race to lose. And I mean, it definitely was my race to lose. I felt like I could have, uh, put myself in a better position and maybe been able to kind of get the overall that day. But I mean, like I said, such as racing and, um, didn't exactly go the way we planned, but I mean, still salvage the podium was, was decent. Um, definitely wasn't super stoked after the moto, but I mean, you can't be happy with the moto that kind of goes that way, especially mm-hmm. when a few of the mistakes are kind of your fault or you put yourself in a bad position. Um, I mean, sometimes like getting taken out isn't your fault, but I mean, you could have done something different not to be in that position to get taken out. So I mean, it's kind of something you just look back on and you study that so it doesn't happen again. So Right. Definitely a moto uh, that uh, that I'll I'll kind of remember throughout the season to kind of keep my head cool and not uh, not go over the limit on on speed and try and and uh, do some stuff that would put me on the ground or put me in a bad spot. So just kind of something to uh, something to live and learn and uh, not do again here uh, moving forward. But uh, but yeah, I mean the GP class is back. I mean everybody's going really fast like there's five or six guys that uh i I mean stiff competition like you never really know what's going to happen so um it's uh it's going to be some good racing here moving forward i mean like you say tyler medallion i was we grew up about half an hour from where i grew up and we uh i always looked up to him as a kid like you say i got a signed jersey he's still on a wall at my parents place so i mean it's pretty clear to kind of be racing against him and i mean we have so much respect for each other as racers and stuff. It's 
cool to be able to race and battle against a guy like that 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 I know isn't isn't going to do anything dumb to either take both of us out or take me out or something. Like it's just fun to have a, know him. I know him super well. I know his family and everything. So I mean, it's nice to just uh, to be racing with a guy that that has done so much in our sport already too. So uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. No doubt, and uh, and so far you've come out on top. Like uh, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, you have a massive points lead. That's a huge all all of one point lead rolling into um, into the third round here in in Adosa. Uh, the second round for you uh, in in Prince George featured another moto victory, but uh, the moto that everybody wants to talk about probably around the globe right now after they've seen how you finished that thing um, is uh, is the broken subframe, and uh, you actually completely leading it so maybe take us through uh like leading up to where you started to feel like uh the the seat was kind of breaking away from you a little bit and uh, how long did you have to ride with the bike like that um like, take us through that a little bit uh because yeah like i don't think i've ever like that the, the way your bike looked is usually what how a bike looks after a horrendous crash and to find out that you did not even crash and for your bike to look like that uh that that's a nightmare of, of sorts yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely not an ideal position to be in, um, and nor is it anybody's fault either. Uh, I know a few people are like, oh, you can't get tight in the suffering bolts or whatever, this and that. It, no one's fault. It, uh, it's just kind of a sleep thing that happened. And yeah, like you said, I mean, a lot of people even thought like maybe I crashed hard and broke the suffering like that, but I mean, it wasn't even a crash. It was actually kind of a picture perfect moto i had going to be honest got off to a good start made a couple of passes in the lead and uh had i think at that point i had probably like a 10 second lead um and i mean everything seemed to be going good we were just uh, past i think uh carl and my mechanic had i think 20 minutes on the board or something like that so i mean we had five minutes plus two to go so kind of was able to kind of settle into a pace and just go it was almost like I almost had it in the bag, you know, I felt like I felt like that was my motor. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, obviously then, um, uh, I I think it was maybe five or six laps to go. I could start to feel my, uh, every time I'd sit down, I could start to feel like the back end getting a little bit loose. So I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know if it was just like maybe the track or my shock or something kind of going on. So, uh, at that point, I was kind of like, okay, i got to kind of try and preserve this a little bit and just kind of milk it um, because I had a little bit of a gap to kind of to be able to kind of slow down a bit if I needed to or whatnot. And, I mean, then uh, – but, I mean, I couldn't slow down too much. I mean, the guys behind me are riding really good. And, and I mean, at that point, I was like, now they're starting to catch me a bit because I'm having some issues. And uh, so, I mean – turned out to be pretty stressful for me because at that point I'm like I don't really know what's going on with my bike I just know there's something not right and then uh half a lap later it it turns out to go a whole lot worse as I'm jumping up the hill and the the actual piece of the suffering that broke um kind of shifted off to the side and then snapped three out of the four (laughs) subframe bolts that were on the bike and it and with that, it took the whole muscle off the left side. And you know, I was laughing at Jess because at that point, he had, he had kind of got caught up and pretty much ate a muffler as we were going up the hill. <laughs> so I, I kind of apologized as hard as flying off my bike at him. But, uh, but yeah, it was kind of a disaster because at that point, now my, now my subframe is off. My seat is kind of just dangling there. I don't have anywhere to sit. And my, my seat's kind of like hitting me in the butt as I'm going. So I can't really jump anything, and then my uh, and then my engine has no back pressure because there's no muffler on it. So I'm running at about 25 percent power now. Right on. And then, it's like you're uh, riding a 125 I, without the fun. Yeah, uh, it, uh, worse actually. I couldn't even jump the jump, so I was kind of like just putting around. Mm-hmm. And then my uh, my air, and then because the air box and everything flows through the the subframe on on the Hondas or on those bikes. And uh, so then my air, my air boot came off of the throttle body, and then the throttle body ended up coming off the head at some point. It was just kind of being suctioned on to the the head to kind of stay running, and it was. It's amazing this thing kept running. 
Yeah, I mean, we got super lucky that we didn't have anything else going on because, honestly, the major thing that was actually holding the subframe on was the wiring harness. So at any point, I mean, if a wire in the wiring harness disconnects, the bike doesn't run anymore, right? Yeah. Because of all the electrical and, and everything. So, I mean, there was a couple... <laughs> There was a couple of sensors that got unplugged, so now my bike's like barely running. I have to hold it at about half throttle for it to stay running, and I can't sit down in the turn, so I just stand up everywhere and like clutch it at half throttle to keep it running. And uh, I did that for about four laps, and uh, crossed the finish line. And finally, was able to kind of shut the bike down and actually assess kind of what was going on because when I was out there, I knew there was a major problem but i couldn't exactly like check and assess how bad it was other than the information i was getting on my pit board um from my mechanic kind of telling me what to do to kind of preserve the bike and do the best that i could not to to be able to finish the photo where i did so i mean hats off to the team and everybody for being super proactive with that and kind of letting me know what was going on so that i could kind of do my best to to uh, salvage as many points as possible and that's kind of the game plan it went from we got this moto in the bag to we just need to cross the finish line here in about four or five laps to kind of get as many points as possible and I mean it's not an easy thing to do because when you're winning you just want to keep going and you want to you want to win that moto I mean the racers just want to keep pushing and it's kind of a tough mental thing to do to just be like accept defeat and just be like we just we got to do the best that we can for championship points. And I mean, it's not easy to, it's not easy to do, but it was definitely a decision that I had to make with a few laps to go there just to be able to finish that moto. And you were able to finish just ahead of uh, MX101's Marco Canella inside the top four and uh, um, put yourself in a great position to finish second on the day. Uh, going to the second moto, backup bike, and uh, I got to feel like, like thinking about your first, your second moto in the first round, at least that was your second moto. Like pressure was kind of off that you know you already won that first moto. Uh, it was still a good day by that accord. But the like your your second moto, the the or the second round, the bike comes apart in the first moto. You basically got to play a little bit of catch up uh, in the second uh, second moto to make sure that you put yourself in a good position for the championship. Um, and, and seeing as how you had a ten second lead in the first moto, uh, you, I'm sure you had all the confidence where you'd still get the job done. But that being said, still be a little mm-hmm. bit of extra pressure rolling into uh, your. Um, your second moto, and you were able to pull the trigger on a moto victory and uh, second overall. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, first and foremost, I have to give a huge hats off to my mechanic and Lockhart, or Ryan Lockhart, new for helping my mechanic. I mean, uh, the last two weekends haven't been ideal. We've been fighting the first weekend, we were fighting some bike issues, and then same thing with this weekend. So, um, just, I mean, hats off to those guys. They've been working their asses off the last couple weekends. So, I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed, Minnesota, they can kind of have a chill weekend and everything goes smoothly like we obviously plan everything to go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we got actually got that bike back to the rig. They kind of assessed it within about five minutes and said, yeah, this thing's done. we got to go to the backup bike. And, obviously, I'm not – I this backup bike – picture it i haven't put a single lap on this frame this suspension this engine i haven't ridden it i haven't done a lap on it i haven't tested it i haven't done i haven't done anything so i mean it's kind of a stressful moment and like you say now i'm like i feel like i just gave up some precious points in the championship with kind of giving up that motor one in the first one so now i got like you say i got a little bit of extra pressure i got to make it happen uh in the second motor to kind of get myself get as many points as possible on the day so uh after that i i literally went up uh got switched gear sets put everything back on i didn't even take a break or nothing just went up and then um i got told uh new and kyle my mechanic to i'm like can we like just get this backup bike ready as quick as possible i want to go over do some riding in the parking lot do a figure eight somewhere just to get like a few minutes on it so obviously they had to switch like a few parts over from the other bike onto this one and uh and i mean the engine um is was missing a few parts that i had on on my 
my my a race bike i'm gonna call it so um i know that i'm not on my other bike so then uh kind of just they got it ready actually pretty quick i mean uh, we have a backup bike for that reason that if we need to run it it's there and it's ready to go so i mean hats off to them as a team for being proactive and having a bike because a lot of teams don't have a backup bike so it kind of uh came in super handy this weekend so hats off to Derek and the team for having that um all planned out already and good to go so I got about five minutes before staging closed to go and uh a few figure eights on this dirt road back in the bush um to kind of get a feel for this this engine this um brand new suspension because I mean it's yeah the suspension should be the same as the other one but it everything Every setting, it can be a little bit different, a little bit off, and I felt super comfortable on the other stuff. So uh, we got this bike set up, and actually we finished doing some setup stuff on the bike, just a severe brake and uh, gleaning a couple brakes and levers and whatever and staging. Um, so we got that done and uh, got off to a good start. I was in the third in that second moto, and uh, I was able to get in the lead, I think, the second or third lap, a little bit of gap, and uh, was able to kind of – pull a decent gap after I got a little more comfortable because um, my shock wasn't acting the way I'd like it on that uh, on that track. It, the track kind of shaped up a little bit different for that second moto, so kind of searched for some lines there about halfway through, and then once I found some good lines, I was able to cut a few good laps and get out to a pretty good lead there, and, uh, and uh, at the end, I think uh, it was a good medal. I mean, obviously, when you when you get the uh, when you get the win, it's always nice. Absolutely, and, like winning, winning races is, uh, is is the goal of all this. And you've got the points lead ro- rolling into round three. Um, so, uh, what does the week to week look like for you? You mentioned off air that today was a bit of a, a recovery day. Then uh, back in the gym, training and riding uh, a fair bit uh, before you uh, likely catch a flight, if not uh, Thursday, then Friday, and then you uh, head into uh, to Winnipeg. Had a, a two and a half hour drive to uh, Minnedosa. You guys probably stay in Brandon, correct? Yeah, I believe so. Fair enough. So you're staying in Brandon. I think so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, like, what's what's the week-to-week look like for you now that uh, you're deep into uh, the outdoor season? Like I said, you're a quarter of the way through this. I know that it's because in the past, you guys have had 10-round series. It's kind of like you, you have a couple of rounds to sort of get settled in, but uh, with, with only eight rounds, it, it's a pressure cooker now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, with a shorter series, we don't have, you don't have time to get settled in, right? You gotta you gotta go right off the bat. And I mean, obviously, that's kind of what we've tried to do. We had to be a hundred percent ready for round one, and and I mean, the team did a great job with testing and getting us ready. And and my trainer did an awesome job having me a hundred percent ready to go for round one. So I knew that my program was good, and I was confident when that gate dropped, I was I was a hundred percent ready to go, and I that's the best I could do. And, uh, and I mean, it's always good knowing that you put 100% of your effort in and that, you know what, if 100% of your effort is third place, then, I mean, that's what it is on the day. You take it and you go home and you see what you might be able to improve on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool to fill pe- some people in on, like, our week-to-week basis because I know a lot of people kind of hear or see what kind of goes on behind the scenes for us as racers. So, I mean, I guess I'll start with race day. So, we get race day over, we wrap it up. We go out to dinner as a team. Uh, have a team dinner together. Everybody sits down. We kind of debrief the day. Uh, kind of joke around or whatever. Kind of just relax because, like you say, I mean, on Saturday, not just us, but team manager, the the, the truck driver, the mechanics. Everybody's kind of in a pressure cooker for that that twelve, thirteen hours during Saturday. Right. So at the end of the day, it's nice to kind of just go out and relax and and tell jokes or whatever and talk about how the positive stuff of the day and uh and i mean so we kind of get that done and then uh by that time normally everybody's pretty tired so we head back to the hotel get a good night's sleep and then sunday morning uh we hop on a flight back home and uh since the ones out west are pretty far and the time change uh goes two or three hours forward i mean we don't land till probably 10 ish i think i landed uh last night uh to get back into Montreal so I mean Sunday's kind of a write-off for us we're flying all day and I mean 
it's almost like the worst thing you can do after a race day is hop on a flight and sit there all cramped yeah. up on a plane for for 12 hours or however long you kind of got to fly and just be stuck in an airport. So uh, we do that, and then we kind of transfer Monday into our recovery day instead of Sunday. So um, my trainer's a program for me like during the week, so every day is kind of scheduled exactly kind of what I need to do in the gym and then with my riding depending on weather or stuff I ride, I try and ride two or three times a week normally I get two days in um and uh kind of get that done so Monday becomes a recovery day so uh go cycling on my Marin bike and kind of just get all the all the lactic acid and stuff out of the legs and out of the body uh kind of get some stretching in some mobility stuff kind of just to loosen up a little bit after after a plane ride and the weekend, you're pretty stiff after a race day of putting 100% of your effort in. So kind of recovery day on Monday. And then Tuesday, you kind of get back into your weekly grind, uh, hard day in the gym. And then depending on weather or whatnot, I uh, go out and do my moto. So go to the track and depending on what I have to work on that week or what my plan is to work on. Um, sometimes it's motos, go out and do a couple of 35-minute motos. Um, or sometimes go out and do some sprints and starts or and whatnot. We have to, like, I always try and plan my day before I even get to the track and know exactly what I'm doing. And then, so, Tuesdays to do a ride day and a hard gym in the day. And then Wednesday, another hard day in the gym, just working on, like, cardio and mobility and strength. And uh, then we work that papers off a little bit on Thursday. Still uh, kind of a hard, not a hard day in the gym, but, um, still go to the gym list a little bit, mobility stuff, some cardio on Thursday um, to kind of get ready for the weekend. And then, uh, like I said, either ride. So Tuesday to Thursday is kind of our riding. So we, I try and get two days in uh, between Tuesday and Thursday. And then Friday morning, we hop back on a plane early in the morning to get to the next round. And then we get there, and then we land go sign in. Um, then we got to get all our gear and stuff ready. We prep our goggles. We prep our, our kind of lockers so everything's all organized and ready to go for the next day, for race day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much a summary of our week. So we don't have a lot of downtime. I mean, it's, it's kind of a seven-day work week for us. We don't uh, – uh, obviously, our days aren't necessarily always full, but we're always working every day. So Yeah, something uh, every day. busy, but it's always fun. There you go. Um, do you do you wear like compression socks or compression gear at all when you're flying? I know a lot of the guys that uh, fly a lot with racing in the states. Uh, that's sort of an X factor to their training. Is a lot of times, obviously, getting uh, at 30,000 uh, 30, feet not a natural thing for your body to go through on a regular basis. Um, and blood circulation is a big issue with that. Um, and, and some of the ways that the guys sort of uh, um, combat inflammation and uh, and just better circulation is to go with some compression gear, uh, especially compression socks. Is that something you've ever implemented or looked into uh, or even asked your trainer about? Yeah, I mean, something I've looked into, I haven't really had any issues with, um, with any of that. So I don't, I personally don't run them, but I do know, like, let's say your knee's acting up or you have inflammation in your knee um, that week or even a shoulder or something, it's definitely something that I, I will do. Um, but I, if I'm 100% healthy and stuff, uh, it does, like, a flight doesn't bother me too much kind of get off. And we have a full day to, like, we have pretty much 24 hours to recover. So it gives us, it gives my, me personally, everybody's body's different, um, obviously. So, I mean, personally for me, and I can even speak for Colton on this one, that uh, that we don't really run that. But the compression stuff is definitely um, on Sunday after a race. Um, sometimes uh, we'll do it. Um, not often, but like, if they have a nagging injury or something, then you'll kind of run. Uh, mostly, like, if it's a knee or something like that, I'll, you'll run it um, on the plane back because it'll help with recovery and blood flow and stuff like that when you're flying. Um, but I don't, uh, for the most part, I kind of just, uh, I can try and be as comfortable as possible on a plane and kind of, uh, try and get some sleep and, uh, get some actual mapping before, uh, before all heck breaks loose when we land. So that's generally my, uh, my program on a plane, just get some sleep. 
There you go. Well, uh, third in the first round, second at round two. Looking for a big win this weekend here in uh, Minnedosa, Manitoba. Only a few days' time before you'll be uh, landing and uh, and heading on out to one of the one of the more picturesque tracks in Canada. It's a new one on the series, but it's a good one at that. Uh, I know you had some success last year. You also had some bike issues, but that aside, um, you got to be looking forward to uh, to a pretty successful uh, weekend coming up and uh, searching for your first overall win for uh the 2019 campaign yeah yeah like you say obviously the goal is to get that overall this weekend coming up and we've had i feel like the last two weekends i feel like they were kind of ours to lose um and i mean whether it was uh kind of some mistakes on my part and then a bike issue or whatever i mean i try not to go on the past and just look at what we can change for the future so um, obviously need to get that overall, um, out of the way, get that knocked off with the season, um, have moto wins and I've had the speed. So just kind of got to do it this weekend. And, uh, like you say, I mean, I had some success here last year. Uh, obviously not the way my, uh, weekend I wanted it to end up last year, but I mean, it kind of was what it was. I had some bike issues in second moto and I was forced to, to kind of DNF that second moto when I was in a position for the overall on the day. But, uh, but I mean, it gives me confidence heading in there this year, knowing that I was super comfortable on that track last year. And as far as I know, they didn't make too many changes. And, uh, I mean, the dirt always stays the same. So kind of, uh, excited for this weekend and to get back on that, uh, on that track. It was a super fun track. And like you say, a little bit of elevation, kind of picturesque with, uh, the grass being so green and, and uh, they have a great facility there at uh, McNabb Valley. So they do a super good job with the track and getting it deep and killing it. I mean, it's going to be, I think, one of the best dirts we'll have um, kind of this so far this year. It's not super rocky. It's pretty, uh, like, kind of topsoily, gets ready. Um, yeah, I mean, they do. They can kill it nice and deep because there's not so many rocks. I mean, it's... Uh, it's kind of going to be good, and it should shape up really good. I think they're calling for a little bit of rain on Friday, so that should even help them out a little bit too with watering and stuff, making everything even. So, I mean, it, it's shaping up to be a, a really good weekend coming up. So, uh, I'm excited and uh, looking forward to get out there and, uh, like you say, hopefully get that, uh, hopefully get that overall. Absolutely. Now you'll you'll be be put in a good position for that. All all firing on all cylinders, rolling in, and uh, you'll need it because uh, you know as well as I do. Uh, in the 250 class, I don't know how many laps there were uh, last year, but that's how many times you guys came up short on that big uh, step up jump heading back towards the back section of the track. Um, or were you greasing that thing every lap? Because uh, I talked to Jess and he he mentioned that he let, he cased it uh, every single lap of that particular day. Uh, it's a pretty big jump uh, heading out up, up to the top of the hill there. Yeah, I don't think I landed that thing good once nice. all day. Uh, I pretty much just kind of faced it all day, bounced. But, yeah, so, I mean, I'm going to hope that they maybe shortened it 10 feet. I don't know if they did or not. <laughs> but I don't know. They like I'm to build sure. a big face on that thing. So it's not even the distance. It's just how high that thing shoots you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i going to hope that we can get over it. My body hopes that we can get over it because, my God, it was a it was a hard hit every lap. But I mean, we kind of knew it was coming, so you brace yourself for it and then kind of like take a deep breath after that. Okay, we, we only got about 15 more of these to do today. <laughs> no doubt. And uh, so... <laughs> I'm looking forward to it this weekend. I'm unfortunately won't be able to race. It's still coming back from a, uh, a shoulder injury, which uh, hopefully I'll uh, be uh, in 100% in the next little while here. Honestly, physically, I feel pretty good, but the riding just, I haven't, I've barely ridden. So that's uh, the reason for my absence on the, on the gate. But uh, uh, before I let you go on this podcast, I, I got, I don't know how much detail you can get into it. I don't really, I don't know how much you remember from it. Uh, but I guarantee you, you remember more than the guy who delivered the speech. You're sitting at the table. The uh, the MCR guys do this this kind of a, a routine. Uh, the the dinner before the races on I think it's the Friday. Uh, you're out with uh, Mike Genova. Tony Alessi's there. The famous Tony Alessi, of course, Mike Alessi, uh, and. and 
Colton Fasciati. They're going around the table doing their little kind of like a uh, speech about whatever uh, and whatnot. And uh, Ryan Gold stands up about uh, 25 rum and cokes in and um, and delivers a, a gem. Can you give us maybe like a little bit of a Coles notes of what you witnessed that particular evening? Yeah, um, definitely a fun night um, for Ryan. <laughs> yeah, um, he's always he's always funny. But uh, yeah, I mean the MTR guys have kind of a ritual down in the states. Where um, on Friday night before the race, uh, we had team dinner, and they yeah. do as well down there. So everybody kind of gets together, um, including truck driver uh, Vince. Freeze was there, all the mechanics, um, the guys, my girlfriend, um, and a few uh, kind of team sponsors that were kind of in the area. So everybody kind of, we were all having a great dinner or whatever. And then uh, Mike Genova stands up and says, you know, what? we have this kind of ritual that we do with our team in the States where you kind of, you get up, you introduce yourself to everybody. And I mean, it was kind of cool the first round because um, not, I mean, not everybody knew each other, right? I, right. Us as riders, we kind of knew, we kind of knew everybody, but some mechanics maybe didn't know any uh, the whole kind of squad, and then definitely like a, a person like my girlfriend, she didn't she didn't know like even Mike Genova, Tony Alessi, even Freeze um, that well. Dylan, right. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, it was kind of cool. So you get up and uh, you you kind of introduce yourself, uh, your spot on the team, uh, kind of like uh, obviously who you are. And then, uh, you kind of just say a little tidbit about kind of whatever you want, really, um, how you feel, uh, obviously, um, thank the people around you, um, how you appreciate everybody on the team. And it kind of, it kind of just kind of sets the tone for everybody to be like pretty confident. I mean, it, it kind of gives everybody, and it was pretty cool. It gives everybody kind of the sense that they all have a part on the team, and and they all have a part in the success that the riders have. Because I mean, truly, they do. Because I mean, without everybody sitting around that table, we wouldn't be able to do what we do, or nearly as good as we can do it, and kind of put the bikes on the top of the box. So it's uh, it's kind of just a cool gesture to kind of thank everybody for for what they do for us as riders and what everybody else on the team um, does um, does for us and what they do for the others on the team. So it's kind of a, it's kind of just a cool thing. And uh, I mean, even, even like the, my girlfriend got up and she's not super good in English and I was pretty proud of her to kind of get up and introduce herself in English in front of everybody. And I mean, it's, it's cool to wise get up and say like, you know, they're for the riders and kind of what their, their role in the, in the riders' life, or what they need to be doing on race day and stuff. So it kind of, it's kind of cool, um, and I think we'll definitely keep it going. And uh, yeah, I mean, like you say at the end, <laughs> I think Golly, I don't know if he was the last one or whatnot, but he always has some interesting fun facts about his thoughts on everything. So oh, yeah. um, I'm not, I'm not going to get into it too, too much, but it, he's always got some uh, some funny, interesting things to say. And I mean, everybody kind of got a good laugh out of it. So. Uh, we'll kind of leave it at that. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, probably uh, too golden to regurgitate. Uh, just uh, uh, um, just uh, some, some some thoughts coming out uh, from from Galdi on that one. Um, well, it's yeah. It's... I don't like. I don't even want to paraphrase it because I, I feel like I would screw it up and not. I feel like I wouldn't say it nearly as good and, and wouldn't even it do wouldn't it justice. justice. So I, yeah. So so I, I can't even do it. I mean, for anybody out there who knows Galdi, you know it's it's kind of blunt and it's pretty funny and I mean, everybody kind of gets a kick out of it. So it's, uh, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty good. I, there was even like a few jabs at Genova at us as riders. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's always kind of fun. So, so uh, yeah. Fair enough. Well, uh, coming from uh, a guy who's uh, his his national win uh, was with I believe a three three on the day. Uh, I think uh, the guy the guy him, him himself knows uh, a good amount of comedy. But uh, Dylan, this has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Like I said, every time you have have you on, it's always 
just a little bit better. Your great interview within the sport of motocross, and we wish you the best of luck not only this weekend in Minnedosa, where we'll, uh, we'll be uh, lining the fences, uh, all the Manitobans here to cheer you on, probably some Saskatchewan uh, people as well because they don't have a national anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, this has been awesome. I uh, really wish you uh, the best of luck, and these are fun, man. We can keep doing these. Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously, thanks for having me on. It's always it's always good to chit chat, and uh, I mean, I like to kind of tell a story about kind of how race day and stuff goes too, and yeah. kind of a little bit behind the scenes stuff. It's always fun for people to know because it's not something they all see on the internet or anywhere else because of for the, sure. obviously stuff kind of happens behind that no one really knows about. So it's kind of cool to kind of get that out there. And uh, I mean, it's always a pleasure uh, to be on the show with you and kind of kind of talk moto so i'm always uh, i'm always down to talk moto so i mean uh, yeah we'll definitely have to do a few more of these as the season uh progresses and uh and uh, yeah but uh before before i go i, I obviously can't thank uh, my whole team honda canada gdr fox racing enough i mean those guys have had my back last few years and uh we just keep uh giving our 100 percent. obviously my fans my girlfriend my family and uh, the whole list of awesome sponsors that we have behind us, uh, I'm not going to get into a massive sponsor list, but, uh, I mean, they, they, know, they know who they are, and, uh, and I mean, we couldn't do it without them. So, obviously, thanks to them, and uh, thanks to you for having me on the show and, uh, you know, to uh, kind of uh, talk about, uh, about the season and uh, definitely looking forward to seeing you this weekend and uh, seeing all the Manitobans out there. Uh, definitely a good crowd. Uh, fun people and uh they definitely uh cheer loud so it's uh it's always fun absolutely we love our pro motocross here in manitoba we didn't have it for a long period of time so we appreciate when we get it uh, and we appreciate you coming on the big mx radio podcast and we'll definitely have you on again soon uh when you do make your way to uh Minidosa this this weekend uh, uh maybe an extra uh number uh 19 dylan wright jersey finds its way into your uh uh, your 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 carry on bag, so uh, so I can have one to uh, to take home with me at the end of the weekend. Yeah, for sure. I might uh, I might be able to make something happen. That's for sure. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I appreciate that, my friend. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for always making time for us. And uh, don't hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we're gonna cut it off right there. <laughs>